Inconceivable, a game of nerdery and nonsense, trivia and tribulations. Now let's join our panelists and the man whose name can be rearranged to spell nerd moan, Dan Morin. <laughs> Thank you, Lex Friedman. Welcome to Inconceivable, a game that tests two teams' knowledge of the nerdy, useless, and obscure. To my right is Team One. He's got the art down to a science, Mr. Frank Wu. Hi, Frank. Hey, it's me. <laughs> That'll really cut Thank down you. on the confusion. <laughs> she won't need to consult any oracles, Ms. Lisa Schmeiser. Pleasure to be here. And He-Man is his enemy, Mr. Steve Lutz. That is absolutely correct. Curse you, He-Man. <laughs> Who's captaining Team One, which I'm informed has a name this week? I am. This is oh, Frank. And Frank our is name of Team One, we are no longer Team One. The Team One, team formerly known as Team One, is now Team You Spoonie Bard. Team You Spoonie Bard. Okay. Yes. Lex Friedman's going to note that down. <laughs> I did. All right. To my left is Team Two. She knows when a door isn't a door, Ms. Marisa McClellan. Hooray for jars. I didn't buy it. Didn't buy oh, it. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> Woo! Jars! Yay! Now we're in a jail. There we go. Oh, all right. He's black and white and red all over Mr. Scott McNulty. Hooray for jars! That's the spirit. And halt! Hugo is there, Ms. Erica Ensign. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, hooray for jars, I guess. Is that what we're saying now? Is that your team name? Yes. Hooray for jars? Team hooray for jars. No, actually. <laughs> I, I'm good with it. That's All what right. it would be. It is now. Oh, no. Oh, you've been over. Who is the captain of Team 2 on this occasion? Sorry, hooray for jars. <laughs> that would be me, Erica. Erica. Uh, once again, captaining. I think this is 100% captaincy on all of my appearances now people just trust you you've got you've got one of those voices you fools <laughs> it was more of a you've damned us all i think on our part scott and i are in the same place so it was eric wasn't here so we nominated her <laughs> <laughs> a coup before the before the game even started uh as a reminder correct answers are worth 10 points or whatever partial credit decided by myself and our scorekeeper mr lex reedman round one is entitled "The Power Is Yours." Now, I grew up the in, the, in the in the early power. '90s, so uh, one power. of the influential shows for me was, of course, uh, Captain Planet and the Planeteers. So, suggested by listener Cat, we have a round entirely about this influential 1990s oh, cartoon. God, How influential was it? Really? Oh, it was formative. Mm. Let me tell you. It influenced this round. That's right. And the environment is perfectly safe now. So it Captain worked Planet great. Did its job. <laughs> All right. Frank, we're starting with you. Oh, God. I've never even seen this show. <laughs> okay. Team. Well, help me yeah. out here. Here we go. The All show right. focuses on five young people, each from a different continent, selected to receive magic rings that control one of the elements. For uh, one point, name each of the planeteers. And for another point, name each of their elements. <laughs> uh, team. Oh, good lord. <laughs> so, are they named after continents? Uh, no, they are five young people. They have names. And they have, they, have they each control like, one like of the Dennis elements. And, okay. Yeah, none, <laughs> none of them are Dennis. Okay, um... Huh. Desiree, Paco, uh, Gustavo, Ahmet... <laughs> Gandalf, because Dan Wallace answers, asks the question where the answer is Gandalf. Can we just make Earth, Wind, and Fire and the other two? Can John we do Paul, that? John Paul, George, and Ringo? 
<laughs> and stew. Yeah, you might have better success. Atlantic, Pacific, South, and Antarctic. <laughs> you might have better success naming the elements to begin with. Uh, earth, air, fire, water. Well, you got four. Love. You got four. Whoa. Well, you know what? I'm going to give you five points for that. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's because the correct the correct teamwork. elements are earth, fire, air, water, and heart. Oh, there we go. So I'm going to take that's, love. That's I'm going to I'm going to exercise discretion there. And, All right, it, now we just need to come up with five names. With five <laughs> names. Um, and again, they're not air, they're not earth, wind, and fire. Uh, no, that, that's a band. This. That's a band. I desperately wish that this. I desperately wish they were named after fantastic bands. That would be the greatest well, uh, conceit ever. Now it's Captain um, Power. Are they named after power sources? Captain Captain Planet. Captain Planet. Are they Planet. named? Yeah, like was oh, one the- called solar and one called wind and one called <laughs> geothermal and one called. Is that how that works? Hi, I'm Lieutenant Geothermal. No, that's that's really not. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing yeah. you guys don't seem to quite have a handle on this one. So you got, but you no. got five points for the elements. Well, I'm um, gonna say Johnny. Jo- There's always a Johnny. <laughs> that Johnny is incorrect. I'm gonna oh. say Gandalf because Gandalf <laughs> has a question. Where Gandalf is the answer. Uh, also a good guess. Also incorrect. Okay, that's two out of our five guesses. Come on, guys. We have two more guesses. <laughs> yeah, see if you can hit one Gaia. of them. Let's just call one of them Gaia because it's sure. a planet in Earth, and there was the Gaia hypothesis, which was huge in the '90s. Okay, you know. Yeah. Uh, Gaia is a character in the show, but not one of the children. Yeah, she is the so she is the Earth spirit who gives out the rings. Solar. I'm going to go Uranus. <laughs> right. Lovelock and Margaret. I think I the think people who propagated I think we're going to. I think we're going to uh, cut this one short. <laughs> what? Right. Too was Uranus late. wrong? Thanks for the five points. Five, what is wrong with Uranus? <laughs> <laughs> moving right along. Hey, does anybody on Hooray for well, Jars happen to know it. what the uh, what the name of any of these characters are? I've never seen Captain Planet. Oh, yet. this is going to be a Neither great round. I. Neither have I. I've seen it, but I've blocked it from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. Give the uh, other team a hard Captain Planet question so uh yeah well these are all these all be fun then so i'll tell you that the the name of the planeteers are there's kwami from africa who controls earth there's wheeler from north america who controls fire there's linka from the in the original show dubbed the soviet union but the soviet union collapsed shortly after the show premiered so she is referred to for the rest of the series as from eastern europe uh there's this show was influential it collapsed the soviet union (laughs) it's that good there's gi from asia who controls water and mati from south america who controls Gee, like the like the like the like the thing that you wear in karate? G I Gi, yeah. Oh my You're god, like, that I'm is I'm going wow. to steal your boyfriend. That All is right, like so, uh, somebody jeans. Oh, wow. it, it was the nineties. Jean right. is a name. <laughs> well, jeans plural though. Jeans plural. That's what I'm saying. That's when you have more than one gene. All right, <laughs> this is off to a swell start. So, uh, question two, Marisa. Yes. What? And one of the interesting things about this show, to my mind, is that it's created by credit. Uh, is is credited to a uh, a media mogul. Uh, which of the me- following media moguls was credited for the creating the show's original idea? Was it Richard Branson, Sumner Redstone, Ted Turner, Oprah Winfrey, or Rupert Murdoch? Okay, team. I'm, my my feeling is towards Ted Turner. I don't know why. Oh, I was going to say Ted Turner as well. I was also going to say Ted Turner. So we're okay. We're going to go with Ted Turner. Ten points. Woo-hoo! That's correct. Yes. So we have wow. to answer ten different questions and they get a scan contest. <laughs> Life isn't fair, Steve. How Life is not work? fair. Well, here. How about let's try this one then, uh, Lisa. Mm-hmm. The uh, one of the notable things about the show was its extensive gallery of interesting eco villains. Which of these? Eco-villains. Which mm-hmm. of these was not an eco villain on the show? Hoggish Greedly, voiced by Ed Asner. <laughs> 
<laughs> Solomon Grungy, voiced by Avery Brooks. Verminous Scum, voiced by Jeff Goldblum. Dr. Blight, voiced by Meg Ryan. Or Luton Plunder, voiced by James Coburn. As much as I like the Solomon uh, Grundy knockoff, which I feel like you put in there as an homage to uh, <clears throat> the DC Universe, I'm pretty sure that's a fake villain. Is that your final answer? I, that's my final answer. That. Sure, yeah. why not? Yeah, that's my final answer. Ten points, well done. Oh, Woo! yeah, Lisa! Woo! Back in but the I, I will point out done. that four, four of those are true, <laughs> so yeah. the rest of those people were all on the show. <laughs> I just enjoy knowing that Jeff Goldblum was involved with this somehow. <laughs> Pretty good. We'll move on. Scott, your turn. Yes. In addition to dealing with issues of the environment, the, do- the show dealt with serious social issues as well. Which of these following was not a very special episode of Captain Planet? <laughs> a. In the episode A Formula for Hate, the show became the first cartoon to deal with the AIDS epidemic. A young man voiced by Neil Patrick Harris becomes ostracized from his town after a villain brainwashes them into thinking the virus can be spread by casual contact. B. The episode Hot Water deals with a young African-American man voiced by Jaleel White, who is framed by a villain for polluting the local city's water supply, prompting the team to confront the realities of race in America. Or C. In Mind Pollution, Linka's cousin Boris becomes addicted to a drug called Bliss, made by one of the villains, and ultimately dies from an overdose. One of those is not a very special Hmm. episode of Captain Planet. (laughs) Well... I am going to guess that it is the one that deals with race, but if my team would like to uh, weigh in. I have no feelings about this, so you (laughs) go. That works for me. All right, B it is. I will choose B, Dan. The episode that dealt with race. Yes. Ten points. See, you guys said you don't know anything about Captain Planet. Jaleel White was way too young. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the 90s, you could talk about AIDS and drug use, but don't talk about race, please. (laughs) Yeah, true enough. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, Steve. What? Uh, The show's... (laughs) You do it every time. I'm just moving past it. The show's guest star voice cast can be accurately described as... What? Which of these well-known actors did not voice a character on the show? Was it Martin Sheen, Sting, Elizabeth Taylor, Helen Hunt, or Patrick Stewart? Oh, boy. Wow. Uh, did you give a time frame for when this aired? Uh, it debuted in the early, early 90s, like 90-91, I think. So shortly after early the Soviet 90s. Union. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Patrick Stewart's a possibility because he would have been riding high on the next generation stuff. I have my board money to keep me warm. I don't need your voice work. <laughs> it's never stopped him. <laughs> True. Amer- there's that. There's that <sighs> Seth MacFarlane show he does. Elizabeth Taylor sounds crazy, so it's probably true. <laughs> I could see Sting doing it because he's a filthy hippie. Uh, <laughs> at least Helen Hunt and Martin Sheen. I I'm going to throw this one out to the team. You guys have any ideas? I have no idea. Martin Sheen is also a filthy hippie. I want to point out. He's absolutely. He does a lot of voice acting too. Yeah, so, um, I think it's actually... But in 92? Actually, or in 90, yeah. early 90s? Look, the West Wing wasn't on for, like, another eight years. He had, you know, he had things to do. So, so I'm going to say that Martin Sheen voiced it. Um, I'm going to also go for Elizabeth Taylor, because if it had anything to do with HIV, she was a pretty reliable get in Hollywood. That's true. Uh, um, so I think it comes down to either Helen Hunt or Patrick Stewart. And, uh... Well, they both had TV shows in the early 90s, right? Because Mad About You was running. I th- think that might be more of a late 90s. 
Okay. Um, was it? Because I remember watching. Yeah, I remember watching it in '94. So, okay. um, which, right. oh god, that sounds so old. That's um, the only thing you remember about '94. I'm guessing. <laughs> It was a good year. <laughs> um, so, Steve, I'm going to say Patrick Stewart just because I don't feel like he did much. Because uh, he was doing stuff in the ni- was early busy. 90s. Yeah, because he also had that um, one-man Christmas Carol play he was doing. Right. During that time, yeah. too. Yeah, so my, my feeling is, is that between that and um, engaging the Borg, he was probably pretty busy. Right. Sure, that sounds good to me. The Borg a lot back then too. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Okay. If, if the team is in agreement, then uh, sure. Sir Patrick Stewart. See, you guys are rocking this. Oh this my is God. good. Right. Well done. Everybody else is. And you were right. Better. Elizabeth Taylor plays Neil Patrick Harris's mother in that very special episode about uh, HIV. Very yeah, impressive. Right. Like good I said, if it's work. HIV, she's a get. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll uh, you're gonna love this one. Hooray for jars. Uh oh. <laughs> no, oh, I hate dear. it already. One of the best known aspects of the show is its earworm of a theme song. But what's unusual about the theme song's placement? And for some of the points, can you sing a few bars? What, what is unusual about what? The theme song's placement. Placement. Um, Scott, you said you've seen it. Is the like? Does the theme song come uh, at the end of the show or something? That is my guess because That's, I don't remember okay. it. But uh, yeah, all right. I, so I, I would we'll, guess that. We'll say that the, the placement thing is the end of the show. That is correct. It does come. Okay. There is an opening narration, but the theme song itself comes at the end of the show. That hmm. question is not at all leading in any way. <laughs> oh, now they have to um, sing some. So that's going to yeah, go really I, well. I, I, Scott, do you remember any of the theme song? I've never seen yeah, that Yeah, I haven't either. Uh, ba 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 boo Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch. I would now I want to watch. Uh that is incorrect. What? Yes, I would have accepted the uh, Captain Planet he's our hero going to take pollution down to zero. Wait, Dan, you didn't, didn't really sing it. The tune I know that. I didn't because I am the host and I get to not do whatever I want. <laughs> but five five points for getting the the placement. Little known fact by the way, Phew. the theme song was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Wait, what? Second little known fact, that wasn't true. Yeah. Okay. There. All right. That was not that little known. Because I know he did Murray Had a Little Lamb on Sesame Street. Uh, he didn't write that either. Spoiler. <laughs> Wait, what? No, no. Murray Had a Little oh, Lamb. Oh, Murray said, Had a Little Lamb. Okay. Yeah, because... Um, yeah, he was no, up all night writing that one. Yeah, because he raps Murray Had a Little Lamb for Sesame Street every time. Where, and, and I'm not going to rap it because it would just be an insult to the entire genre. But... Lin-Manuel Miranda actually raps a whole thing about Murray and his little lamb tearing around New York, taking all sorts of classes together. In the 90s? And, uh, no, well, I think probably the early 80s, maybe. Okay. It, it's on Old Sesame Street. There's a, there's a lot happening here. All right. That's the end yeah. of round okay. one. Thank you for uh, thank you for putting mm-hmm. up with that. Uh, Lex, <laughs> what are the scores at? At the end of round one, Dan, both Team U, Spoonie Bard, and Hooray for Jars... Uh, have 25 points. <laughs> All right. So we're tied going into round two, which is the first of our two fake off rounds. In round two, team You Spoonie Bard must find the correct definition of the three definitions offered by team Hooray for Jars. Team You Spoonie Bard, you can bid between one and ten points. I don't know. Should we go conservative or all in? Somewhere in between. Well, since we have nothing to go on, why don't we just split the difference? All right. No, five. Was it one to to ten? I concede to my team. Five, then. Five. Wait, Mm -hmm. let's do six. 
I'll, I'm fine with that too. <laughs> All right, six then. Can we do? Can we just do decimals like no, 5.5? no integ- oh. integers only? Integers only. Team is a bunch of troublemakers. I love it. Can we do the square root of thirty-six? <laughs> yes, yes, we'll All allow right. that. That resolves to an integer. All right, okay. uh, they've bid six points. Um, oh, hooray for boy, jars! Would you uh, would you give your definitions, please, for the word faltira? F a l t i r a. Oh, all right. Well, then. Uh, Faltera is a the name of the drive that powers the ships in Augustine de Rojas' novel, A Legend of the Future. And if you're unfamiliar with Augustine de Rojas, uh, you probably don't know that he is the father of Cuban science fiction. Okay, Faltera. A martial arts modality employing a collapsible fan and a teacup and saucer from Gail Carriger's steampunk finishing school series. <laughs> Valtira mm-hmm. is a highly addictive drug that gives certain people the ability to access magic, and it is from a series of fantasy books by Christopher Husberg. All right, those are your three definitions, you Spoony Bard. Ooh. Which one do you like? They're all crap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like any of them. I, uh, wow. Um, Has anyone okay, so, read any of these? So things? the first one, so the first one is the Cuban Father of Cuban Sci-Fi, right? The drive um, that powers ships. Augustine de <laughs> right. Rojas. The second one is some steampunk hoo-ha, and uh, <laughs> martial arts with a fan and a teacup fan and a teacup and saucer, which is crazy. Yeah, but maybe just crazy enough. I don't crazy know. but plausible. And the third one, um, third one is a modality. Um, I believe that was the second addictive, one. The addictive drug. Oh, the addictive drug. Um, the second one was that has the to do with magic. Oh, that's Chris right. Okay, so the third one is the drug. Um, so my <sighs> sense is that people making up definitions aren't going to go with something completely insane nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. So the fan and the teacup saucer thing seems <laughs> likely to me, but I'm interested to hear your takes. I don't know. I have a reflexive... Um, I have such a... V- visceral inability to take steampunk seriously (laughs) that that you could tell me something like oh they put gerbils in corsets and that's how they powered the computer and i'd be like oh of course they did so by the way probably does (laughs) it's renewable energy too just pointing out (laughs) captain planet would be proud (laughs) i mean your body shaming the rodents but what is that when you've got renewable energy um so yeah i'm gonna go for yeah well I'm also trying to again, like I said, my my, my reflect my, my reflexive. Um, oh, of course, steampunk. Um, why why wouldn't you use a fan and a teacup? Um, I'm not clear on how the saucer would work, but uh, you, well, you could throw it like uh, yeah. like the the hat with the razor limb rim. I guess so. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna reject and then take the. A sip en- of your tea I think I'm back. gonna reject the engine because um, it doesn't it sound like a- an engine. It seems a little too feminine, if that makes sense. Like, like you would call a ship Faltira, but you wouldn't be like, oh, it's a Faltira-class engine. Well, let's not you be know, normative, like, Lisa. Yeah. No, well, instead it would be like, that's a Scorpion-class <laughs> engine, or, or, or that's a Tsunami-class engine. Like, like That's a to... punch-you-in-the-face engine, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Like, pa- <laughs> Something manly. Manly That's trademarked. Punch-you-in-the-face engine is trademarked. Sorry, you can't use yeah, that. Yeah, oh. power tends to be yeah. conflated with aggression, so, you know, you wouldn't do like, oh, it's the... <laughs> It's the libretto class engine. No, um, <laughs> so I I would go for steampunk just because that's just such a 
bleeping ridiculous I'm, genre. I'm, <laughs> I'm leaning towards the uh, the fan in the teacup because I really hope that that's the right one. Yeah. Because I'm hoping that someone came up with such nonsense. I, I, I would like to live in a universe where people create stuff like that. I would like to imagine like a class of little girls with their fans and their teacups all doing their, their little their little steampunk martial arts movements in unison. Uh, you, Spinny Bart, have you come to a consensus? Steve, do you want to weigh in? Uh, you may, well, I already weighed in, and I think that one's pretty good, so you make the final call, Captain. Uh, so the uh, martial arts with the fan, teacup, and saucer. All right, hur- hooray for jars. They think it's a, uh, a Faltira is a martial art with teacups and saucer. Marisa, that was your definition. Or were you telling the truth? I was not telling the truth. I made that up. Oh. 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 But now you need to write those books. <laughs> there were so. no jars well, those involved. books do exist. So uh, the books were real. So is, what is the correct Is the answer? martial art true or no? Uh, Just no, out of curiosity. The martial art is not okay, true. Okay, well done. Uh, that, was mm-hmm. a, that was a bluff. The correct answer was read by? Me. Yep, it's the it's the magic accessing drug. Ah, oh, the one that one that I feel like was didn't even get a lot of conversation, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it just too, seemed too plausible. Too Boring, yeah. it just slid plausible. under the radar. Boring. All right, All right. Uh, team, you Spoonie Bard, you have lost six points, I believe. Lex Friedman, Aww. where did the score stand after round two? Well, Dan, after round two, it is now uh, Team You Spoonie Bard has uh, a mere 19 points to Hooray for Jars 25. All right. Still anybody's game, though. Uh, In round three, we're going to play another instance of What's the Difference? I'm going to give you two things, and you're going to tell me what the sort of operative difference between those two things are. So let's start this time with Marisa. Okay. Marisa, what's the difference between a maze and a labyrinth? Um, doesn't a labyrinth? Oh, oh, you have to ask yeah, for help. Yeah, please, please help me. Um, no. Do, <laughs> I feel like dissension among the ranks already. I think I feel like there's some sort of movement involved in a labyrinth where the the I I, I believe uh, one of them has a minotaur and the other doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> My thought was that a maze is one where you can actually get out the other side, and a labyrinth oh. is more you're looking for something in the middle. So we've got lots of we got lots of possibilities. Yeah, Erica, I like where you're going here. That uh, that a maze that there's an outcome that you can get to the end, but a labyrinth is sort of yeah you're trying to get to the center that or something although, in it. Maybe I've just seen labyrinth too many times. <laughs> Actually, there's no maybe about that. Yeah. Now, I think that... One has David Bowie. (laughs) (laughs) That feels right to me. So this one one is yours, so I'm I'm going to make the call. So I like the idea that a maze is something where you... It's um, a series of pathways, but there is a way out. um, And you're trying to get from one side to the other. Whereas a labyrinth, you're um, trying to get to the center. You know what? Ten points. Nice. A labyrinth has only one path leading to the center mazes you can get through, and there are entrances and exits, multiple ones. Thank you, oftentimes. David Bowie. Well done. <laughs> I really and, feel and like what's... David Bowie should have been part of the official definition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. David Bowie is a minotaur. This is how it works out. Uh, Frank. <laughs> yes. Right what's, here. The dif- what's the difference between an incubus and a succubus? Oh. Uh, succubus, isn't that uh, like a spirit that comes to you and takes over your body when you are dreaming? And an incubus is, oh God, what is that? Like some other spirit that takes over you when you're not dreaming. 
Team, team, team. Frank, I'm going to respectfully disagree. Okay, (laughs) please, thank you. Please and thank you. Incubus is male, succubus is female. Yeah, it's gender. Uh, Incubus. Oh. Incubi are male, succubi are female. Okay, then. They're both demons that come and sex you up. (laughs) Yeah, but only one also has a a, a band named after it. Uh, (laughs) Someone had to mention the band. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's totally correct. Ten points. An incubus right, is a male demon. You, team. A succubus is a female demon, and each Woo-hoo! preys on members of the opposite gender, though I assume that there are versions mm-hmm. that maybe, like, you know, that's not their preference. Don't so. you police the sexuality of demons. I'm not, I'm not here to do that. <laughs> I'm based on, this is just, just historical fact, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> historical fact about fiction. Although there is a band called Incubus, uh, the band happens to Succubus. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's okay. They don't listen to this show. Uh, <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Scott, yes. what's the difference between a code and a cipher? That's an excellent question, Dan. Uh, That's why I'm asking you. Oh, thank you. I, I don't think I know the answer to that question, but uh, let me think. Uh, code and a cipher. Uh, well, code. Walk into a bar. <laughs> uh, how about my team? Do any any uh, thoughts about codes and ciphers? I feel um, like. I, uh, go ahead, Erica. Go ahead. No, Marissa, you go first. Okay. Um, I'm I'm feeling like a code. I feel like with a cipher, there's sort of more of a a system or a language that a cipher is like a. Um, something that works more across um, sort of a communication system. I don't know. Or I, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like I'm thinking about Bletchley and how like the cipher was the machine and how they needed some tool to decode it. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. See, I was thinking that that a code is when you take a message and you, you alter it in a very specific way. Um, so it's encoded. And the cipher is what you use to decode um oh. cypher is like oh I, I don't i don't know if that's right but that, that sounds right to me thing. i'm gonna go with that so you use a cypher to decode a code that is not correct <laughs> uh what? you were sorry. you were shocked sorry. i was shocked i was taken aback uh team <laughs> team uh you spoonie bar do you happen to know what the difference between a code and a cypher is isn't a cypher specifically a type of code that involves substitution of uh characters for other characters yeah, I thought so, that's yeah. that's pretty that's pretty close. A, a cipher encrypts individual letters or groups of letters. A code encrypts meaning. A code can be something like uh, you know the eagle has landed, being a reference. Like if you send a coded message, it could be a totally sensible phrase, but it refers to a preset meaning that the other person already knows. Mm-hmm. Whereas a cipher is a mechanical system that you change, you like you do a transformation on each individual letter or group of letters and transform them according to some sort so of function. Enigma, so Enigma is a cipher, but a code. Can- can be Correct. something that's not based on any sort of algorithm. Correct, because code books. Well, so they used to fine. exchange code. They used to exchange code books. Like mm-hmm. so, in the old days, you know, before they really, you know, the ciphers go back really far. But like a lot of times, they used mm-hmm. to use code books in which they like this. I'm going to send you a message. This thing equals this thing, and so you know when you got that coded mm-hmm. message saying the eagle has landed, that your troops have set out for uh, their their battle mm-hmm. or what have you. Well, rats. I think Marisa was the closest. Yeah, Marisa, <laughs> you were get, you were getting oh, well. close, but yeah, the the not not quite there yet. So no points on that one. Uh, Lisa, what's, All right. what's the difference between a black hole and a singularity? Okay. Um, da, 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 da. I'm going to need some help on the team because my understanding is that a black hole um, is a collapsed star and a singularity. My only definition of a singularity is like the Werner Vinge and then everything changes hand waving, which is totally not right. So um, can I have any help from my team on this one? 
Well, your black hole is spot on, but I too am mm-hmm. unclear on the meaning of singularity. I was so. thinking, yeah, like singularity is when uh, the rate of technological changes reaches a point where, like, yeah. boom, poof, now perhaps we're on yeah. machines. Perhaps yeah, I could clarify that's... by saying a gravitational singularity. Oh, okay. Oh. So you're t- they're both cosmos terms. Okay, because I was, I was like, one is a movie and the other one is referred to by lots of futurists. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's right. One was a Disney movie and the other one wasn't. Huh. Okay, so we know that a black hole is the collapsed star that um, black hole. Has it, so, does, yeah. does a black hole uh, attract or suck in matter while a singularity repels it? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a there's a uh, uh, short short shadow, whatever limit, and beyond which all matter falls into the black hole. Uh. I don't know. Does, is a black does a singularity... hole the exact opposite of the singularity? Like one of them is you sucks in things into the universe, and the other one starts the Big Bang. Is that? Oh, does that sound plausible? Let's let's do that. Let's just say they're the opposite of each other. The black mm. hole sucks things in. So and, one and... is like the end of a star, and one is like the beginning, or vice versa. Yeah, beginning that's what of I'm the say. beginning of the universe, or like the, yeah. The singularity is is the beginning. <clears throat> the singularity well. is the beginning event. The black hole is the ending event. That's that what I'm going to go for. Sure. Dang, I wish we were physicists. <laughs> yeah. That is a, that is a great guess. Uh, unfortunately incorrect. They're often used uh. interchangeably. And in fact, a singularity is essentially part of a black hole. It is the single point sort of basically mm-hmm. right at the center of the black hole where uh. everything measuring sort of the gravitational field becomes infinite. Like, and, and that's where stuff uh. like the really crazy stuff happens. So right. well beyond the event horizon. And Maximilian Shell floats by with his hair and his eyes all crazy. And those cute little robots i hated damn it jim i'm a biologist not a physicist but you know what you know what yeah. i'm gonna give you guys a, a point for uh for frank knowing Schwarzschild because that is a that mm-hmm. is a big part of black well, holes and it's just such a good Hawking name radiation and all that stuff too <laughs> with uh, protons and anti-protons there's um, a lot going on i'm gonna not pretend that i'm a physicist but you, know, you can you can have a point for knowing Schwarzschild. okay uh <laughs> all right yay so erica mm-hmm. um what is the difference between a mace, a morning star, and a flail. Okay, I I, I should know this, and I'm I'm going to turn it over to Scott in a second. But I would just like <laughs> to point out that I'm pretty sure that the way that I learned it was wrong because I learned it from Ultima Seven, and the pictures in Ultima Seven I'm pretty sure don't match the pictures in the Dungeons and Dragons Players Handbook, which I think is probably more uh more close to real life. So Scott, help me out here. I I think the flail is. Let's see. So I know a mace is a any kind of uh, any kind of weapon that has like a, a ball at the end of it, possibly spiked. And the morning star. I, I, you know what? I'm just gonna Scott answer this. <laughs> okay, well, the pressure is on. Uh, I'm not sure if I know exactly, but I would guess that the mace is kind of like you know uh, any kind of. Uh, 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 it's like a cudgel with a, a ball on the top. The Morning Star is the same thing, only it has spikes. And the flail is either of those with a chain. Chain, yeah. You know what? Ten points on that. Well done. Oh, wow. yeah, Mace is a metal top club. Uh, Morning Star had spikes, and a flail has a chain. Um, I, I, you know what? As a kid, I was often very confused because I assumed a Morning Star referred specifically to a chain with a ball with spikes on the end. But in yes, fact, that too. is incorrect. 
Yeah, oh, really? and that is how I got screwed up because the little picture in Ultima Seven, it, it did have spikes on it, so I guess technically it was a morning right. star. Yeah. But it also had the chain, so it was a morning star and a flail both. So the the short time, answer is, you know, you don't have a lot of time to think about this when anybody's bearing down on you with any of these. <laughs> Wait a second, <laughs> Look, it's a morning star. <laughs> All right, ten points on that one, and to finish off this round, Steve, can we have that one too? I knew that one. Yeah, we'll give you the same one. <laughs> Uh, Steve, this is this. Yes. I've got I've got multiple ones here, but let's see if you can you can break this down. What's the difference between an asteroid, a meteoroid, a meteor, and a meteorite? Are those four separate things? Those are four separate things, but there you can tell me what the differences between them are. Asteroid, meteoroid, meteorite, meteor, and meteorite. Meteor and meteorite. So an asteroid is just some chunk of rock floating through space a meteor i believe uh has has crossed into the atmosphere or is in the process of crossing into mm-hmm. the atmosphere uh and then in terms of oid and ite i think ite's the smallest and maybe an oid is largest but uh i'd hand that off to the team to maybe steve it's a meteorite that, that caused the dinosaurs extinction it's um if it hits the ground it's a meteorite okay yeah, that's the rock that you have when, yeah, so when it lands. Is the, yeah, is the so meteorite is yeah, meteorite is yeah, a meteor is um, a shooting star. So it's a meteor tight if it's on the ground, and meteorite it's a meteor if it's on the ground. If it hangs, from the, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> nice one. Um, if there's a G, it's on the ground. If there's a C, it's on the ceiling. Um, so well, meteor- it's an M. So stalagmite has a little M, and M's go up because the mounds go up, and a stalactite is a little T, where the T is the ceiling, <laughs> no, and then the, the, G- the, the, the bottom part of the T hangs down. down. We've we've lost we've lost the thread here. <laughs> All right, okay, so meteorite um, has hit the has hit the, the planet uh-huh. surface. Yeah. What's the difference between meteor and meteoroid? A meteor burns up in the atmosphere. Okay. A meteor, yeah. So, like, if you see a meteor shower, for example, there's the meteor shower that happens every August. Um, Pleiades, the Perseids, the Perseids. Oh, that's a meteor. That's a meteor sh- Yeah, they also call it the Tears of Saint Lawrence. Um, right. That happens every August, and it's a meteor shower. So it's basically you're watching rocks burn up in the atmosphere. Um, meteorites would, uh, you know, be rocks that that kill dinosaurs because they land and dust clouds rise. They don't. Um, they don't solely kill dinosaurs. I'm going to tell you your eight points there. If you can tell me what a meteoroid is, you can get the full ten. I would say either before it hits the a meteoroid whether it's going to um, burn up. Let's see. No, a meteoroid is is part of an asteroid, right? Or it's a little piece from an asteroid. Um, is that enough for the eight points? You know, I, I'm you're you're nine points. You're nine points there. You're basically <laughs> there. You're pretty darn close. Uh, okay. You know, an asteroid is, as Steve said, a big chunk of rock in space. A meteoroid <laughs> is actually just a smaller chunk of rock in space, which okay. then becomes a meteor when it crosses the atmosphere, and a meteorite when it hits <laughs> the ground. Okay. Nine right. nine points. Well done. That was that was a toughie. Yay, we reasoned it out. All right. Woo-hoo! All right, that's the end of round three. Lex, where are the scores? Dan, after three rounds, Team U Spoonie Bard has uh, 39 points. Hooray for Jars, 45 points. All right. Oh. There. <laughs> still close, still close. All right. Uh, we got round four, the second of our fake-off rounds, The Wrath of the Khan. Uh, this is Team <laughs> team Hooray for Jar's chance to bid for some points. So give me a bid between one and ten. What do you think, team? Do you want to go big or go medium? I don't want to go small. Oh, um, I want to go home. <laughs> you, are, you are home. Um, Just don't hooray! go to the kitchen, whatever you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's deadly in there. Six or seven? I feel like... 
They have they we have a, a six point lead. So if we wager anything less than six, we will still have a lead, even if we get it wrong. <laughs> That's that true, true. But there's also another another round in which we could fail. Uh, which the point? Which the situation can change. <laughs> Let's let's do six then. Works for me. All right, all right. They're bidding six points. Uh, Team U Spoonie Bard, you're going to provide three definitions for the word naffle. N a f a l. Naffle. Please, at your leisure. Naffle is actually an abbreviation. It's actually pronounced nafal. And in 2001, you had HAL 9000, the computer that controls ship. And before that. There was the NAFAL, which is the Navigation and Flight Assistive Logic, uh, which is described in the novel of 2001, and originally came from the 1949 Arthur C. Clarke short story, Hide and Seek. Well, actually, pushes glasses up, bridge of nose, (laughs) Uh, a NAFAL, which is actually how this is pronounced, is a Generation 6 Pokemon. It's a normal slash flying type. And uh, it, by appearance, it is a bird with a poison spike that shoots out of its mouth. Um, its name, by the way, Nawfal, is derived from narwhal and falcon. So it's like a split between the two. <laughs> wow, those are those are both pretty good. Lisa, what do you got for us? Nafal is actually um, unpronounceable because it's an acronym, N-A-F-A-L. <laughs> and it is a... Um, acronym for a common trope in science fiction literature, and it stands for nearly as fast as light. All right, hooray for jars. Hard as it may be to believe, one of those is correct. <laughs> Can you tell me which one? Wow. Hmm. hmm. Team. Well, I've never heard of it, so... Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't heard of it. The, the nearly as fast as light thing actually rang a bell, and I don't know if that's a real bell or if that's just... Just no, this is a real bell. getting in my head. That is not a point accruing bell. <laughs> um, I feel like there was. I feel like there was too much information for the uh, for for Frank's because to to be right, I feel like he knows too oh, much. Yeah. He's so excited. <laughs> oh, he knows. Give you even more to. information. <laughs> oh wait, I mean, take some back. <laughs> and and I feel like the Pokemon. It's just. It's it's just. I don't know. It's too hip and trendy right now. I always just just Dan sort has of never like heard Lisa, of Pokemon. Sort of like Lisa feels about about steampunk. I feel yeah. like anything hip and trendy. So I don't. I, I kind of like the name steampunk Pokemon now. That seems both horrible and Internet, entirely make plausible. It happen. Did I mention that this bird with a poison spike has a teacup that it wears as a hat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just thinking of Pikachu in a corset now. <laughs> I mean, wow, I keep, keep that to yourself. <laughs> that's that's wow. true. Um, just thinking I can, about Pikachu I and a corset, to think like always. Of Pikachu and a corset. <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel like the nearly as fast as light thing is totally the kind of thing Lisa would come up with, so I don't have any... I'm not really strongly feeling that, but that's that's uh, the direction I'm leaning. I think it's none of the above. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not totally at a loss here. Dirty liars. Uh, I think we could go with Lisa. That one seems yeah. the most plausible to me, which means it's probably incorrect, but... Yeah, that's well, fine with I- me. I, I think we're gonna. I think we're just we're gonna do it. It's it's elegant, and I like elegance, even if it's wrong. Gosh darn it! Uh, all right. So, hooray for Jars thinks the very elegant description of uh, the unpronounceable word as an acronym for nearly as fast as light is correct. Lisa, what say you? They're correct. They are correct. Yes. Well done. Curse oh, you, Jars! 
But uh, those were excellent bluffs, I have to say, also, all around. Yeah. Well also, done. I have to point out, if it's if it's an acronym, then it is pronounceable. That's the definition of an acronym. Yeah, good point. It's an initialism. Let's, uh, is it Napel let's, or Napel, I wonder? Let's uh, <laughs> definitely spend more time arguing about that. <laughs> <laughs> Can we? Can we? <laughs> yeah, uh, but I'm going to cut it all from the show. All right, that's the end of round four. Uh, Lex, going into the last round, what are the scores? Team U Spinny Bard has its work cut out for it, Dan, because they have a mere 39 points. So, hooray for Jars, epic 51. Uh, All right. Our last round is entitled Stranger Things. Uh, I've taken a character from fiction with the word strange in their name somewhere, and I've combined it with a common expression. To give you an example... Uh, and as always, remind you that round five is always the round where I'm going to get yelled at the most. The, if I gave you the clue, this mysterious cosmic comic character is really just an ordinary bloke. The answer would be the Phantom Dick and Harry Stranger. So that's the Phantom Stranger what? and Tom Dick and Harry. No, no, yep. Yep. Wait, it doesn't wait. make any sense. It no. does. Oh no. Okay, we're going to get into <laughs> argument about making that sense whole again. Thing again with... All right, we're going to go again. Start so deducting the... points for insulting Dan. <laughs> I just want to hear it again. So, the clue is, this mysterious cosmic comic character is really just an ordinary bloke. That would be the Phantom Dick and Harry Stranger, which is the Phantom Stranger combined with Tom Dick and Harry. Yes, because Tom Dick and Harry is is another way to say just, you know, any old normal bloke. uh, So, what is the maximum points that we can win in this round? Every question is worth 10 points. So the maximum total is 30 per team yep, by Mike. That's correct. All right, Frank, we're going to start with you. Oh, God. I still don't understand what we're doing here. All right. Well, perhaps your team can help you out with this Sorcerer Supreme always needs to make sure things are perfectly fair. Sorcerer would be Doctor Strange, right? It's even Steven Strange. Even. St- oh. Lisa, that, w- wow. that was a quick jump in there of Doctor Even Stephen Strange. Yeah, he didn't go for six years of magical school to be called Mister <laughs> Even Stephen Strange. <laughs> All right, well done. You're getting getting the hang of this. All right, Marisa. Yes. This powerful magician fought in the Napoleonic Wars and, little known fact, invented the battlefield outhouse. <laughs> oh God. Huh. I have well, some ideas, is, uh, team, uh, if you need them. This is, uh, uh, so Jonathan Strange mm-hmm. is, uh, <laughs> from, from, is the Napoleonic War. Yes. Uh, and I assume... Johnny uh, on the spot. If a, a oh, battlefield, what was the outhouse part? Well, battlefield outhouse, a Johnny on the spot is another name for a porta potty is it, Didn't John Crapper <clears throat> invent yes, the porta Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's put that together. Um, I don't know how to put that together. <laughs> I mean, if we shorten Jonathan to John or Johnny, then it kind of works. But I don't know if we're allowed to. I don't know if we're allowed to go with nicknames. Jonathan Crapper Strange. <laughs> no, that's not working. Um, well, oh, there's also Porta John, so it could be Porta Jonathan Strange. Okay, that feels better. Yeah, that feels great. I'm going to put you out of your misery on that one. <laughs> well done. Porta Jonathan Strange. Nice. Woo. Lisa. I was hoping they would take a little longer so Dan could encourage them and tell them that it was time to you know what or get off the pot. <laughs> <laughs> Lex, I'm going to leave that one to you. Lisa. Okay. That this jetpack wearing superhero isn't better known is a pity. 
that this jetpack wearing superhero isn't better known is a pity. Okay. Oh right, so gosh. Who's the jetpack wearing superhero. Um. Oh gosh. Um. <laughs> I had to figure if anybody would know this. I thought it, I. Th- I think it would be you. you. Thought it would be me. Huh? I thought it would um, be you, Lisa. Put a lot of trust in you. Okay. Um. So that the soup jetpack superhero isn't better. Um. Okay, the superhero in question is Adam Strange. But, um, okay, that he's not better known. Um, oh, he's, I don't know him from Adam Strange. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Yes, thank you, Frank. All right. Yeah, wow. I don't know him from Adam Strange. There we uh, go. You know what? That's not what I have, but that's pretty great. Lex, what uh-huh. do you think? I, I think they get full credit. That's a pretty yes. great answer. All right. I'm going to give you full credit, even though that's not what I had written down, because that was excellent. That was very well done. The answer I had was a damn shame, Strange, which is terrible. No, I give you that. Full credit. Not, so that's why, hey, I'm giving, I'm giving full points because they came up with something better. <laughs> I would like to note uh, to the listeners uh, and panelists, I have deducted one point from Dan Morin's score. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a first. <laughs> He's a negative one. Yeah. Okay, next up is Scott. Mm. Uh, Scott, this muggle-hating witch loved being the center of attention. I do not know any oh, of God. this. Um. <laughs> I'm assuming it's a Harry Potter thing, and to that I curse Dan. Uh, oh. <laughs> because I know nothing about Harry Potter. It, could, it may I not just, be Harry Potter, I, I but... <laughs> Wasn't her name? I read some Harry Potter, Irma something, or um, I can see her in my head. Can you read the question again? Sure. This muggle-hating witch loved being the center of attention. Can we reverse engineer it from something that means center of attention to sort of spur you on? Hmm. Because this does—I don't know who a muggle-hating witch would have been. Um, yeah, she's the one who, in like the later books, took over the school, became the headmaster. But I can't remember her name. Uh, I didn't um, read the later books. Ah, uh, so that would be I'm, the problem. Does it does it have strange in it? <laughs> well, I guess it would have to. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that evil. <laughs> center of attention. Center of attention. All right, so think about the word strange, center and then we've got attention. we've got center of attention. So, um, I I literally have no idea. <laughs> uh, center of attention. Center you guys are attention. killing me here. I know. I, I know. <laughs> Lisa is slowly dying on the other side. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like going for yeah. a walk. They'll get points for that, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, um, what's another word for center of attention? Is sinister another word for center of attention? Does that sound familiar with strange? No. Um, mm. uh, I got nothing. Yeah. Bruce, if you can't think of the name, I think we literally cannot answer this question. Uh, so. <laughs> no shots in the dark? Oh, God. I can't, um, uh, I, I mean, no I can idea. see the character, I could describe her characteristics, but her name is gone from my brain. All right, well, I got nothing. All right, sounds like they have nothing. Strange. We go to the other side for... Bellatrix Lestrange! Oh. Do you have is the full Bell- answer? Oh, I was is thinking of someone else. Bellatrix Yeah, there, there you go. Totally I heard, I heard it over there. Bell of the Bellatrix Lestrange. Okay. I also I had Bellatrix of the Ball Lestrange. I'll accept either one, but yes, those are good <laughs> yeah. job. Good job. Well, Sorry, that was, that was tough. It's the Helena Bonham Carter character. All right. We get two mercy points for that. Yeah. Uh, okay, Steve. Uh, this yes. wheelchair-bound mad scientist believes everything is permissible in matters of the heart and armed combat. 
Oh, okay, I have no idea. Doctor All one, Strange, so. All's Fair and Love There's, and War. Do- yeah, Doctor, Doctor Strange All, Love. Do- Doctor, Doctor Strange, <laughs> yeah. Doctor All's Fair, All's Fair and, and Doctor Strange and- Love and War. There it is. Yeah. All right. You, stum- you. you stumbled your way to it. You had all the right places. <laughs> you found a way to put it together. <laughs> Ten points. Well done. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to save the hardest one for you, Erica. And no, no. the one that's most Watch. likely to get me in trouble. <laughs> this defrocked priest who investigates demons didn't just show up recently. Okay. A defrocked priest who investigates demons with Strange in, the, in his uh, name. I'm- gonna guess this is either a comic book character or some urban fantasy novel both of which are not my area of expertise so i have no idea okay can you read it one more time sure this defrocked priest who investigates demons didn't just show up recently and i will say it comes from a very obscure property so i apologize (laughs) um let's see didn't just show up recently it's been around for a long time. Can you guys think of any phrases that d- play into that? And then we can just take a wild guess at it. Mm. Defrocked. Priest. Oh, you know, you know what? I have to, I have to correct myself here. I apologize. I made an error in this, uh, in this clue. So I'm going to reread it in the, in the way that makes more sense. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, I should have checked that. That's on me. I'm going to reread it. This defrocked priest who investigates demons did just show up recently. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, well, I apologize. So maybe it's a Johnny come lately. Yeah, it, would it be Johnny Strange come lately? Johnny, Johnny come lately. Strange. Mm. I'm gonna give it to you. You, you got, got it. it. Okay. That's Johnny Woo. come lately. Strange. Has anybody besides me seen that show? No. Okay. Uh, no. That was a t- uh, early book? 2000 show called Strange, which was a BBC show which featured um, the actor from Coupling, whose name I'm all of a sudden forgetting, who played Jeff. Um, Richard Coyle. Yes, Richard mm-hmm. Coyle, oh. yes. Very an interesting show. And uh, Tom Baker's in it, Erica, which is why I thought you might know it. <laughs> no. Just Richard well, Coyle now I need to go to and see it. seek that out. Yeah, both for, it's, it's both pretty good. For, it only uh, ran for one season, so it's like six episodes, but I recommend it. So that is the <laughs> end of Around and With It, the game. Lex Friedman, final scores, please. Well, it ended up very close, at least for the top two. In third place was Dan with negative one points. <laughs> <laughs> In second place, Team U Spoonie Bar had 69. Hooray for Jars just eked out a win with 71. So much closer at the end than you might have thought. Barn burner, guys. That was a close one. Well done. Team with 69 points. I've got my title back. I'm so pleased. (laughs) All of our jars are filled with victory. (laughs) (laughs) Except that one that's broken on your floor. Yeah, you know. Uh, Thank you so much to all of our panelists and to Lex Friedman. As a reminder, if you would like to send in some round ideas or just give us some comments, you can reach us at inconceivable at theincomparable.com or the increasingly ridiculous Twitter name at incon underscore sievable. And as a reminder, if you'd like to support Inconceivable, you can do so by becoming a member of The Incomparable. Just go to theincomparable.com slash members, sign up for your choice of memberships, and select Game Show to support the show. Thanks so much once again. So long, everybody. We'll see you next time. So we're tied going into round two, which is the first of our two fake-off rounds. In you fake-off. Te- team... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should be ready for it. I should be ready for it by now. That's like the eighth time. I know, I know. It came, back, it came all the way back around. <laughs> <laughs>